Yeah, and that's why I tell people, or actually my belief, is that it's it's good to travel to different areas, different types of places. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, become more cultured, become more familiar with other cultures and with other areas. Um, I think it's important because it does help with your so-called survival skills, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes you sharper, makes you more understanding, it makes you clever, more clever. Um, I don't know if you have you ever met someone where they're like, where you ask them like, or it comes up in the conversation um, that they've never left their their hometown. They've never been away from their hometown. Yeah, well, it's me for a long time. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, we're talking all about another animated movie that relates to agriculture. And to talk about this movie with us, we have, I'm not sure he's a fan favorite necessarily, but an old guest, an old friend of ours, uh, Braden from Absolutely Gobsmack. Braden, remind the good people who you are. I'm a fan favorite. That's who I am. <laughs> I have lots of fans, okay? All right. Um, yeah, no, I... I am Braden from Absolutely Gobsmack. So, um, yeah, that's me. I, I, I think uh, maybe you guys will remember me from the. Uh, um, well, what did we cover last time? <laughs> uh, we well, I think the last time you were on, we talked about what did we talk about? Because we we did the Martian episode. The Martian, and, right? Yeah, I, I thought you came on for another one oh, before that. Oh, and we did the speech. Oh right, yeah, you came on. Yeah, for we the, did about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Spe- speaking in, in, in agricultural, that kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that episode. Yeah. So, yeah, you've been on for a couple episodes now. Uh, so this is your, your third appearance. Um, you're one of the few guests who's, who's gotten to have three appearances. So congratulations. Um, oh, yeah. So that's great. Yeah. So uh, for anyone who, who you know doesn't know or who hasn't heard of Braden, you know, Absolutely Gobsmacked is a great podcast in which they analyze movies and kind of the behind the scenes of movies and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So I'll put all the links down in the description so people can go find you and uh, go check you out. Um, but Braden, would you like to let the audience know which movie we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, we're going to be talking about Rango. Yeah. So. Rango, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, is a uh, an animated movie. Um, you probably have all the specs on it. Didn't you guys do an episode on Rango recently? We have not done an episode on Rango yet. Oh, okay. I, I could have swore I saw Rango in your... You did some Johnny Depp movie, and I thought it was Rango, maybe, but... Um... We mentioned it as wanting to do it. We mentioned an episode one time. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. That that could have been it, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Rango, you know, it's a it's an animated movie. Uh, obviously, it, uh, obviously, it stars Johnny Depp as the main character. Rango uh, It's about a chameleon, you know, who's who's living in this old west style town and he has to save the town from, you know, the usual corruption that goes on with old west towns. You know, you have a gunslinging snake and you have, uh, you know, a corrupt leader who's trying to take land and, you know, there's a water shortage and all kinds of fun stuff. So before we hop into the ag connection to this. Why did you suggest this topic to me, Braden? This this was your idea after all. Well, one, it's, I would say, arguably my favorite animated movie. Arguably. Um, 
yeah, it's tough to pick one, but it's definitely in the conversation. Hmm. And two, because um, I just, I always knew there was an agriculture, um, there was a tie to agriculture, I should say. So um, that's why I suggested it to you for your show, because I think I would enjoy talking about it. And I think there's a tie into to the subject matter. Yeah, that makes sense. And Honestly, when you first brought it up, I hadn't seen Rango since the first time I saw it way back when it first came out. So it had been a few years. So I was a little I, I, I wasn't quite sure where the ag connection was right away, because all I remember is him getting into the fight with the, the gunslinging snake. And I was like, well, I mean, that's it's Western, but is it really ag? And then I, I rewatched it and I was like, oh, yeah, I see it now. So that that kind of ties in. Um mm-hmm. So you said it's one of your favorite, if not your favorite animated movies. Would you, would you mind talking about why that is? I just think it's an original story. I think that the voice acting is superb. Johnny Depp is my favorite actor. So there is a little bias there. But I think that he does a fantastic job in this role. Um, the way they shot it or they filmed it was a little unique. It wasn't motion capture. But they recorded their voices as the actors literally acted out each scene. Hmm. So um, instead of them standing in a booth like normal animated movies where they just record their lines, um, they did it a little differently where they had the actors actually act out the scenes together. Um, And you can see on uh, some behind the scenes clips on YouTube, but I just like the way they approached it. And um, I thought that the story itself was unique. And I think the movie is hilarious. And I don't get bored of rewatching it. Yeah, no, I would have to I have to agree with you there. It's a very rewatchable movie. It's a very fun movie. You know, it's very goofy. It's got some some you know humor that is it can go over kids' heads, but it's still an enjoyable kid movie at the same time. It's a very you know unique animated movie for its time. It kind of plays a lot of you know it, it does a lot of things that animated movies kind of refuse to do for a long time. So it's definitely interesting. It's just a really great Western movie, you know. Yeah, I like westerns. Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely plays the western role really well. And you know, to your point, it kind of you know it it almost uh, you know it it almost makes references to other western movies. It has the whole Clint Eastwood scene and you know all that kind of stuff to kind of show that it's like not necessarily making yeah. fun of western movies, but it's trying to make that call back while still being an original, which is really well done. Um, so now kind of getting into the the bare bones of this conversation. Obviously, it being a Western, it would have to have something to do with the rural area, which tends to be associated with agriculture. But the actual agricultural connection here is is one that uh, I think that, you know, you really don't have to dig too far to find, but you have to almost think about it in, in a different context than what the movie provides it in. Um, so obviously, we have the the main issue of, of, of the story, which is the water crisis. You know, they're having a massive drought or massive shortage mm-hmm. of water, which anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm from California and we have a very common uh, issue with that so it's not a not an unfamiliar issue to, to watch if, if you're a Californian um, so that's a whole thing I mean and I mean anyone who's involved in agriculture knows water is essential for all life you know it, and that even if you're not involved in agriculture that, that's a pretty common you know thing to know so it's it, it's a very good basis to have an agricultural movie on I mean you, you see land go you know you see issues with land going up for sale because people can't afford to, to grow it anymore with the lack of water. That's an issue that we're seeing in real life today. I mean, in my hometown of Tulare, which I'm actually in right now for the first time in a while, um, there's all kinds of land that's going for sale just because they don't have the water to, to sustainably grow food anymore, which is very sad to see from a, you know, from an agriculturalist perspective. Yeah. Um, so 
I don't know if you had any anything you wanted to comment on in terms of the water situation well, or kind of how they handle that. It wasn't something I was familiar with when I first saw the movie, mm. you know, so it was a unique perspective for me, a new perspective. Um, and it kind of got me interested in thinking like, you know, is that really happening? And then it's like, you know, looking, doing research and, and looking at it. Yeah, it, it is happening, not just in third world countries, but, you know, it happens here and in some places in, in America. Yeah. Um, so it was unique um, to look at it. And then, you know, eventually I'm sure we'll get into it, but how you, you find out how or why the why is happening. Um, and that a lot of it is man made. A lot of it is human error. Mm -hmm. um, it's just interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, you bring up a solid point. I mean, the movie itself kind of draws attention to an issue that isn't talked about a whole lot outside of the whole like, yeah, there's third world countries that don't have water conversation, but it, it is a very common issue. I mean, especially in the agricultural sectors, you're seeing that happen all the time is, you know, water shortages and, and land going, you know, going dry and all that kind of stuff. And as you mentioned, you know, the, the conflict about what's causing the water shortage, what's causing all this land to go up for sale and kind of the corruption that's going on on like the almost governmental level is kind of, you know, a really interesting thing to talk about in a, in a you know in, in an animated movie it's not something that really gets brought up a lot um and it's something that like i mean i think that a lot of people like like you you know and like myself when i first watched the movie kind of watch it and they're like oh yeah you know it's it's a cool western story so it's going to be conflict but that's you know it's just like it's dramatized for the movie um and a lot of people don't realize that no that's that's literally how things are in a lot of places and, and you know like like in our own country as well as in, in other developing countries as well you know we're seeing massive you know human error that's causing and sometimes it's not even error sometimes it's you know it's intentional action that's causing yeah. you know shifts in the environment that's causing you know dangerous levels of, of water shortage that are causing you know land to go for sale for you know one reason or another like it's it's a real issue it's not something that, that, that's just a hollywood uh, a hollywood story yeah yeah no i i can tell i got inspiration from real life you can yeah. kind of tell there's a lot of genuineness um a lot of like reality it be, being based in reality so that's kind of what piqued my interest because it's like this is like a very specific issue it seems like they got inspiration from something that was real yeah you know, and you can tell yeah and so yeah. i i you know my, my memory's a little spotty um at mm -hmm. the moment but obviously the you know so you have the <clears throat> turtle who's running the you know the town and then he ends up being the one that's kind of causing a lot of the, the issues with the land and he's you know he's the one that that's kind of like the the corrupt figurehead of the town right um and so would you mind kind of reminding you know myself and the audience you know how the water situation is being handled obviously you have the pipeline underground that's that's you know the the whole conflict with water not being available in certain areas and the conflict with you know they think that they don't have water but they actually do it's being hidden like could you kind of just give us a, a synopsis of the of the conflict of the whole story yeah basically i mean the main character rango basically stumbles into this town he's a he's a pet you know and mm -hmm. he he basically gets lost right and um i definitely encourage those that haven't seen the movie to go watch it for sure but um he stumbles upon this, you know, town of basically it's animals. They're all, you know, speaking animals. That's, that's the whole movies. So um, he stumbles upon this town and he basically like stumbles into this drama that's going on, this, um, sh this drought really, and how it's affecting everyone. And um, 
I do believe that there's a lot of like selfish reasons reasoning by by Rango, especially towards the beginning of the movie, because he wants water too. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just thirsty, right. right? So that's kind of the motivator for a lot of things and him trying to to you know go search for water himself and, and try and find um water for himself and, and that's kind of the case a lot of times in real life is um you know people really initially they just want to take care of themselves and their families um even though it affects everybody um i think like a lot of people as long as they're taken care of they really don't care how everyone you know unless it affects them whatever what happens to everyone else for the most part obviously um there's a lot of people that do care right and they want to make a difference so um but i, I do think rango represents uh, a lot of people <laughs> today in the, in the way that he he wants water for himself really and that's what he cares about mm-hmm. um there's a scene in the bank where there's a little bit of water left and he basically sneaks water to himself while he's trying to encourage uh the town you know to stay mm-hmm. positive so um he becomes basically like the sheriff in a way with a lot of comedic shenanigans but um yeah the whole basis of the story is they need to you know find a way to get their water back basically Mm -hmm. and uh rango happens to find out the mayor of the town um i believe they're they're developing like a community a, a a little ways away and that's kind of where all the water's been going. Uh, there's a scene where they, they're golfing, uh, hit the mayor and some other of his people, I believe. And you see, um, like, basically, the mayor shows him, you know, what's been going on. And there's sprinklers and there's it's basically been like a new community being developed. Um, so that, that's where all the water's been going is, is away from this poor town with all these poor citizens and uh, the mayor's using it for his personal gain, right? So there's a lot of greed that goes into this because water is signified in this in this uh, context. It's basically like um, currency. Right. You know what I mean? It's used as it's it represents currency. The bank has this instead of a vault, it's this huge water tank, and it's running on empty. Yeah. So, so I think there's a lot of similarities between greed and the water shortage. Um, there's a lot of ties to that in this movie, yeah. which was interesting, but yeah, um, that's basically like the basics, the gist yeah. <laughs> of it. No, I think that's a good, you know, a good synopsis of the whole thing. And I really like your, your comparison there of, you know, Rango to kind of, you know, your average, your average person. So I think that's, yeah. that's extremely accurate. I mean, you have, a lot of people, and this has been my experience, even through doing this podcast, which is, you know, you have a lot of people who they may care about an issue, but they don't realize they care about it until they have a reason, you know, until there's like something in it for them almost. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, with, with like the agricultural situation, you know, my whole goal is to get people to be more aware of agriculture. More often than not, the people that I come across that want to talk about it the reason they became interested in it is because they noticed, well, now there's a food shortage or now food prices have gone up or now there's, you know, there's not as, there's not, there's not as much, I, eh, I can't talk, not as much access to, you know, a food that they wanted, or, or maybe they see farms in their local areas that are going up for sale or, you know, it's like, there's always, you know, something that's affecting them before they're like, Oh, maybe I should help fix this. Um, and that tends to be the case, right? Like we don't, we don't really pay attention to a problem until it affects us. 
um, which is, you know, I, I think really, really well portrayed through Rango's character, which obviously we get to watch his whole development to an actual semi-decent person, you know, from being just this selfish jerk who just wants all the water to himself to, you know, being able to actually like save the town and help out all the people and, you know, and, and you know, get the girl and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but no, it, you know, it's, it's absolutely the case that, you know, we have to, you know, kind of look at some of these issues from a, you know, from a faraway perspective to realize just how big of an issue they really are or how, mm-hmm. you know, how some of the things that we didn't, you know, we, we may think it's like a, a water shortage now and really it's a water reallocation to something that really isn't in need of it. Like, you know, like, right. the city or, you know, it's like, there's always like something else behind the scenes that, that tends to be happening. And that's a perfect, you know, it's a perfect analogy for how issues happen in the real world, agricultural or non. Um, I mean, we see agricultural issues happen on, on a large scale all the time where it's like, it's not that we don't have this resource. This is being used for something that it shouldn't be being used for. And so now we don't have enough of it anymore. Um, and that tends to be a, a somewhat, unfortunately, a somewhat common issue that you mm. know, agriculturalists and, and you know, scientists and researchers are always trying to work on ways to make our resources last as long as possible. That way we don't have to worry about running out of water or running out of food or running out of this, that, or the other thing. It's just not always that simple, you know? Yeah. No, you're right. Um, and I think, you know, the point's made that basically, you know, Rango does, you know, start to care and, and, and make, at the end of the day, if you're trying to benefit everyone, you benefit yourself in the long run, you know? Right. Um, you don't want to just, because if you focus on benefiting yourself temporarily or, you know, in the present, you'll still be affected in the long run. So I think the movie, at least for me, makes the point to make a difference overall you know try and make the the big changes um that'll help everybody and it'll ben it'll only benefit you and the people you care about as well yeah no that's that's a good way of looking at it i mean why make a why make a small impact that'll help you for a short term when you can make a large impact that helps everyone including you for a long term right so yeah yeah um in terms of you know animation and like movie design and all that kind of stuff i'm not super you know I'm not super familiar with how a lot of that stuff works. I know that you have more of a knowledge on that than I do, but I really liked how they portrayed a lot of the, you know, like the citizens of the town and, and like just the general atmosphere of the whole movie. Like it was very much like, obviously it's supposed to be like an old Western, but like your throat gets dry just watching the movie. You know, it, it's yeah. very, it's very much like a, like you feel like you're in a dusty old town and like, you can actually like feel like the emotion on like the, the character's faces when they're like, you know, like the little girl, like little mouse or possum, whatever she is, the girl mm-hmm. that that Ringo, you know, that has that's fallen Ringo around and like, you know, and, and looks up to him. Um, like you can like feel like the emotions of like the children, or like the, like the townsfolk and like the, you know, like when when you see the turtle, you instantly just know like, oh, that he's terrible. Like he just he just gives off that this demeanor of like, I don't trust that guy. Um, yeah, no, I like the accuracy of, of that as well as the accuracy of the actual animals. You know, they used animals that were that would actually be in that kind of ecosystem you know what i mean yeah uh, no it's i mean and, and you know the introduction of of rango is such a fun you know such a fun way of, of doing that because like you said they have you know very common animals for that environment then they have a chameleon that comes out of nowhere and you know everyone's just like well <laughs> you're obviously not from here because you're not a, a desert animal you're a chameleon so what are you doing here um you know and yeah. the whole fight with the snake and you know the whole like you know all that kind of it's just such a cool you know stylistically it's a very fun approach to it right yeah and that's just adds to the um 
not just the intrigue, but the entertainment value. Right. Um, and one of the things that, I mean, like obviously is not so much a thing anymore, but you still see similar ideas to it. You know, it's all Rango can be interpreted very well as a metaphorical movie, obviously, but, um, right. You have the, the rattlesnake, I, I think his name is Jake, right. Or mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the rattlesnake that, you know, him, him and Rango face off at the end. He has the whole, like, you know, his gun is part or his tail is part gun. And he has like, you know, this whole intimidation factor going on with him. Um, and you know, you have the, like, he's, you know, he's basically a hired gun that's hired to take down the sheriff. And, you know, it turns out that he, you know, he was being lied to the whole time too. And so he kind of turns on the turtle at the end and like, there's this whole, like, you know, that whole mentality of, there's always like somebody in the middle that's doing, you know, what they think is good or what they think is helping. And then it turns out that they're just getting, you know, kind of lied to the whole time. And so they kind of turn, you know, you know, turn their turn around to the other side. And it's just kind of like a, I don't know, like, like you see that trope happen in a lot of different types of media. And I think they did just portrayed it really well with Jake as a character. Cause he's like terrifying. Right. And he ends up being like, you know, one of the saving graces at the end. Yeah. And, um, Another point um, that I think I, I got from the movie is um, Rango. You could basically say, I mean, really, he's spoiled because he's a pet, but, right. but you could compare him to like a city boy that yeah. moves to, you know, farm, farm, ta- farm town. You know? Yeah. Have uh, you ever seen people like that try to adjust? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, it's <laughs> I've I've seen it both ways. So I I'm you know obviously a, a rural area kid that you know I, I moved to a big city for college and it was a, a shell shock trying to get used to you know kind of like the urban lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and you know I met, I met people that I made friends there that were very much like wait you you know you don't do this back where you're from I'm like no 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 where we where we we're from I do this this and this and they're like that's so weird. You know, like the culture mm-hmm. is just very different. Um, and I've seen the reverse, you know, I've seen people move from big cities to, uh, you know, my small town or to other surrounding small towns. I've even taken people on like on farm tours that are from cities and just kind of seeing their, you know, their reaction to some of the ways that we handle things here is just so it's really funny. Cause it's kind of similar to how Rango reacts. He's kind of like disgusted at first with the town and like all the people and everything. And, um, you know, as he, as he begins to live there, you know, longer, he starts to realize kind of the value of what's there and, and all that and that tends to be the you know that tends to be the the reaction that i get too is you know you have people who move into a, a small farm town they're like you cows and you know like the, everything's all dusty and you know it's all kind of like gross and they don't you know they just want you know food or they just want water or whatever and they have to like work and like do all this this stuff and then over time they're like man you know what this is even better than than you know where i was living before why didn't i move here sooner and it's always like that that kind of fun revelation of like people don't don't realize what they're missing until they until they get it kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah no and i thought the movie did a good job of showing that transition or someone more like extroverted i guess yeah trying to make adjustments and fit in yeah no that, that's a fun way of looking at it and i don't know what your experience is you know with with the whole urban versus rural living area or if you've if you've been in that situation or know anyone that's been in that situation before but well it's 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 hard because i have lived in kind of both like big city and rural i'm more of a city person um where i'm at now it's very half and half if that Mm. makes sense yeah you've got city and it's not like a big city like a new york city we don't have skyscrapers but we've got downtown area with things to do and then you go just 10 to 15 20 minutes north and uh you got rural 
you know, you got farms, you got ant farm animals, you got, you know, markets with fresh produce and just different than going to like a, a big corporate grocery store. Right. Um, so we got a good mix of both. Um, so I'd say it's different. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you've got towns that are just big city and then you've got towns that are just strictly rural away from the city you got to drive quite a bit to get to the city um and i think that's just different you know when you have then when you have like a good mix yeah no i think that you know you have a solid point there you know there's definitely a, a i mean I, I would honestly almost you know make the argument that those kind of in-betweener cities are are you know almost more fun to live in because then you're not mm-hmm. having to drive super far to get what you want but you still get right. kind of like laid back you know relaxed lifestyle of you know avoiding the skyscrapers and, and the big metropolitan areas yeah no absolutely i think you're right on that um there you get a lot of the same pros you know but kind of mixed in together so um, i mean it's good um so yeah i think this one more is more of the movie itself is more of a, like a drastic change if that makes right. sense yeah the kind um, of shell shock you know yeah kind of like what is like what are you guys doing like how are things it's almost like um his knowledge was based on like entertainment or what he sees you know what you see on movies and things like that so that's how he tried to adjust is based on that knowledge right that makes sense yeah and right. it, it it worked out but not you know not because he's smart about it, but he just kind of got really fortunate in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And I love that they made it. So like he's a chameleon, obviously. Right. So his whole thing mm-hmm. is adaptation to his environment. That's true. Um, and it's, it's super fun how they made it. So like when he first gets there, like, yeah, he tries to act all like tough and he tries to act like a, like a cowboy. And he, you know, he starts like walking like some of the guys on the street and he starts to kind of like act like the, you know, the, the civilians and everything. Um, to try to fit in because you know that's like his thing that's how you know he's camouflaging um and i thought that was right. so funny. and then obviously like over time that slowly becomes an actual part of his character you know yeah he just kind of becomes like he just kind of fits in but yeah, yeah that's a good point i didn't think about it that way is that his he represents the the the, the animal that he the he that he is yeah um, that's true <laughs> <laughs> didn't even cross my mind but yeah you're right he basically learns to adapt and blend in um but but i've 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 got experience trying to do that even when you're like visiting a place yeah you kind of gotta like adapt and learn how to fit in because you don't ever like feeling different you know what i mean right even though you know you are like if you visit a new place like let's say you go on vacation for two weeks in a big city right um Mm -hmm. Do you want to like pick up as much as you can? You may even do research ahead of time, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so you try, you make effort to adapt so you don't feel so out of place so that you can feel more comfortable. Um, but in Rango, he was like thrown in. Right. And he had to adapt quick. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Like, you know, how would I or how would we react if we were thrown into a situation like that where, you know, someone from the big city <clears throat> all of a sudden has to be thrown in or move in or relocated to a farm town, right? Right. Strictly farm. And, and um, it's just interesting to think about. 
Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, it's very, you know, it's a fun hypothetical to kind of think, you know, to, to put yourself in. It's like, you know, if I were, if I were in Rango's shoes, you know, if my entire world just changed, if I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, if I didn't have a choice and I just kind of got, you know, flung into this weird environment that I'm not used to, you know, would I even survive? You know, because he almost did. And, you know, he, there were multiple times that he very easily could have been killed just because of his own stupidity. Yep. But, you know, he found a way to adapt, you know, for better or for worse. But it's, you know, it, it's really, you know, you always think like, oh, yeah, I'd be fine. I'd, I'd figure it out. And then you get there and you're like, I don't know what to do here. I don't know. I don't know anyone here. I don't know, you know, what this environment's like. I don't know where to go. Like, it's such a different place to be that, you know, it kind of, you know, it almost kind of shuts you down for a little while until you figure out what you want to do. Yeah, and that's why I tell people, or actually my belief, is that it's it's good to travel to different areas, different types of places. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, become more cultured, become more familiar with other cultures and with other areas. Um, I think it's important because it does help with your so-called survival skills, if that makes sense. Yeah. It absolutely. makes you sharper, makes you more understanding it makes you clever more clever um i don't know if you have you ever met someone where they're like where you ask them like or it comes up in the conversation um that they've never left their their hometown they've never been away from their hometown yeah well it's me for a long time yeah but i mean like i'm talking like adults yeah you know um or at least like older teenagers 18 19 20 where they're already graduated from high school and they that's like a really good time especially if you're single even if you're not single to go <laughs> and travel you know and go and explore more yeah I um, i've met people that never took advantage of that and um and they're they um they don't understand a lot of things mm. you know they don't they don't um i've noticed that people can be more stubborn or set in their ways if they if they stay stay put too long things like that mm-hmm. um, not saying that there's inferior in any way but it just it, it does it definitely affects people yeah no you're absolutely right i mean it's it's really you know when it's almost like um it's that same idea as like you know if you just stay inside your entire life and you never go outside and play or anything like you might never get sick but when you do it's gonna hit you really hard you know like it's mm-hmm. it's that idea of like building up a resistance to things that can hurt you um, that's true yeah and so it's like i mean i i've even i've met people from the midwest and from montana and from you know always different like country or uh states that i'm you know haven't been to but i've you know I've, I've gone to conferences in the midwest that i've met all these people at and they are very very different than what i you know what i consider you know normal for my area and they look at me and they're like oh you're from california well you must ask you, you must act this way and you must think these things and all this kind of stuff and it's funny hearing the way that they think about californians when you know obviously i know why they think that way but californians right. are, are very different depending on where they come from in, in the state um you know, I'm, I'm very different than somebody who's going to come from Northern California or Southern California. Right. Um, and so it's just like funny, you know, like I, I remember I had a, you know, I, I met a friend from Montana and I was talking to her cause she has a, a purebred uh, herd of, of beef cattle. And, you know, as I'm, you know, a big fan of beef cattle, I, I, I was asking her like, Oh yeah, well, how many cows do you have? And she like got incredibly offended. And I was so confused as to why. And she told me that in Montana, it's considered offensive to ask how many cows somebody has. I had never heard of that before. That was not something that ever crossed my mind. 
I mean, I guess I could kind of see why it's kind of the same idea as like asking how much money somebody makes. Yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, just that that small difference. I mean, like I come from a cow town. I mean, we literally like my hometown, we literally call it cow town. Um, you know, I'm asking how many cows somebody has is far from an offensive question where I come mm-hmm. from. People almost brag about how many cows they have. Um, so I asked her and, and, you know, to hear that response, I was kind of like, whoa, you know, like even people who are from similar backgrounds have very different cultures depending on where they're from. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that about Montana, but, but that makes sense. I mean, those, those things, those things happen when you, when you go to different areas, there's certain questions that you deem normal to ask that you just, you should, you're not supposed to quote unquote, right. Or you should, yeah. it's considered rude. Right. It's the same thing. Like with like sarcasm. Mm-hmm down where where i'm at now is considered disrespectful like even as a joke you know like they have people that joke around right yeah but it's it's the type of humor right the sarcasm is considered disrespectful um even among peers you know not just with old especially with older ones right but uh, even among peers is considered disrespectful it's just um different than what i was used to growing up so yeah things like that where it's just uh like you have to watch how how you say things, what you say, you know, the context of of everything you have to take into consideration, you know. So it's it was just interesting. Yeah. Um, huh. That that is interesting. I mean, I I've definitely noticed similar differences. I mean, I I currently live an hour from my hometown. You know, it's just you know just forty five minutes to an hour north of where I I came from, and the culture even between those two areas is just vastly different. I mean. Um, you know, where I grew up, like, it's very much like you, you're, you're not supposed to call anyone by like Mr. or Mrs. Whatever, you know, like you're supposed to call them by their first name, even like adults, you know, like the only people you call Mr. or Mrs. are like, you know, teachers or like, like the elders of the community, like, like the very, mm-hmm. very old people. Um, because everyone else, if you call them Mr. or Mrs., that's like, you know, you're basically calling them old. Um, right. And so like, that was like how I grew up, you know, you call everyone by their first name, you know, adults, kids, whoever. Um, and so when I moved up to where I live now, like I go and like visit my girlfriend's family and like all their like, you know, friends and everything. And everyone over there is Mr. and Mrs. So I'm like, you know, really uncomfortable calling them Mr. and Mrs. Cause I don't want to call them old and, you know, in my language. Um, but up there, they consider it offensive if I call them by their first name. So I have to like explain to them like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I can't like, you know, because of how I grew up, I can't talk like that. That just feels really strange to me. Um, and you know, they, they consider it really weird that I call everyone by their first name. So it's like, you know, even like in small areas like that, you know, a very Mm -hmm. rural area and a very urban area, even like an hour apart have very, very different rules and standards for how they function. Yeah. Yeah, and, and people that, that kind of stay put, they don't really experience that or realize that. Um, right. Which, I mean, obviously, if they stay in their own area, it's fine, you know. Um, but if you're thrown into a situation, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, the more you know, the more prepared you are, the, the, the better you'll be, the better off you'll be, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, going back to Durango, you know, we're, you see him get thrown to this society that's very different than what he knows as a pet and right. you know he he does a lot of things that people consider rude and, and he you know kind mm-hmm. of you know he he sees things that he's kind of like that's you know that was weird why did he do that like you know it's very right. a very you know 
culturally different area than, than what he's used to. So it's kind of fun seeing his interactions and how he gets used to their culture. Yeah. I, um, do you remember that there's a scene in Rango at the beginning when he first enters the town Yeah, where he's, where he's trying to fit in. So he sees how different people walk and he's like copying it. Yeah. There, I think it's, I think like sometimes like we, we, we do that. I don't know if you've ever like, um, not, not necessarily with like how people walk, but like the way people talk, mm-hmm. you can, you can pick it up and some people like legitimately try and, and and speak that you know a certain way if they're in a certain part a different part um and there's like a different you know accent Mm -hmm. um we tend to like want to speak that way so that we're better understood we can better fit in um so i thought that was interesting like it showed that because it's true like you know we, we do that as people too we try to fit in by copying the people around us you know yeah definitely i mean i know that full from what i'm told i haven't witnessed this firsthand but Mm -hmm. i'm told that when i'm you know up north and in you know where i I live now i speak very much like a normal you know californian i have a very urban you know style accent but when i'm back home i have more of like a country kind of you know twangy accent (laughs) it's not like a very southern accent necessarily but i've been told like like, i mean i had had an episode uh you know a, a few months back now where i interviewed a guy and he was like he was from the the east coast and he was like you're sure you're not from the Midwest? I'm like, no, I'm from California. And he was like, you sound like a Midwesterner. Like you just have that, like not quite as like thick of an accent, mm-hmm. but you have that kind of like country drawl to you. I had never heard that before. I always thought I sound like a Californian. Um, so it's funny, you know, and my, and my accent changes depending on where I am in the state. Um, but like my dad, on the other hand, he's kind of like the opposite. Like his accent adapts to who he's talking to. So like if he's talking to somebody who has kind of like a more southern accent, his accent gets more southern. And he doesn't do it on purpose. He like doesn't even know he's doing it. I've pointed it out to him before and he doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um, but he has customers all over the world. So he'll talk to people in different accents. And his voice, like if he's on the phone and he's talking to somebody, I can tell who I can tell which customer he's talking to based off of how his voice changes. Because <laughs> you know, he'll like, you know, and he doesn't do it, you know, to be rude or anything. It's kind of just like when he hears something, that's what his brain, you know, switches to. So like if he's talking to you know, one of his customers in Mexico, he develops almost more of like a Mexican style accent. Or if he's talking to one of his customers in Scotland, his, his Scottish accent kind of comes out. It's, it's weird watching it. Yeah, that, no, that is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. So, um, but like, so the ending, and I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly how it ends. I know Rango faces off against Rattlesnake Jake. but um and obviously the town gets his water back um i guess do you remember how they they get their water back well i know that rango sets up this whole plan where he like he has a bunch of his buddies like stationed all over the town and and they all kind of like shoot at jake in different orders and that causes jake to get distracted um and then he has somebody underground working with this team and they like break one of the pipes um, oh, that's right. And that causes mm-hmm. the water to erupt everywhere. And then that's so he basically like lures Jake into this area of the town and then the water shoots him up into the air and like knocks him out. And, and that's kind of how he how he defeats him. And then, yeah, it's like raining everywhere. And they get their water back. Obviously, that's back. not <laughs> that doesn't solve our real life problems. No. But... So what do you think would like, for example, in your area, what do you think would solve the drought? a lot of the drought problems i'm sure there's different solutions and different ideas but yeah, what have the, you found there's plenty of, of speculation about what's best to fix 
the drought, you know, there's no like one size fits all solution. Um, the big problem in my area is that, you know, people are arguing about what's really causing the drought. Um, you have some people that are saying it's environmental, some people saying that it's climate change, some people saying that it's, um, you know, it's political that like, you know, the reason that we don't have water is because we're not, you know, we don't have like basically the government's not giving us enough water, um, which is kind of a similar idea to what Rango is, is about. Um, and so there's like a lot of different speculation about what's causing the drought. So that kind of makes it difficult to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal belief is that if we had better water infrastructure, so, you know, better dams, better reservoirs, better areas to hold water and transport water, we would see a lot less issues with shortages. Um, but that's not, you know, the end all be all solution. There's some talks that right. we have about surface water usage and groundwater usage and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that is like kind of, I think the first step, you know, in, in the process is just making sure that we can hold on to the water that we do have because we, we get a lot of water, but then we kind of just, you know, send it off into areas that don't need it. We send it off to the ocean. We send it off to, you know, random lakes and rivers that don't need more water than they already have. It's kind mm-hmm. of like a, you know, there, there could, there could be an allocation, you know, fix first and then we can start kind of talking about better ways to because i mean like right now you know our our biggest issue is just that you know we don't get enough rain well the thing is we do kind of get enough rain you know not all the time we definitely have dry years but when we do get wet years we don't do anything with the water that we get we kind of just let it sit there that makes sense so that's my big solution is let's find better ways to put the water somewhere to use before we just start you know saying we don't have any oh what about creating artificial rain controlling the weather that would be interesting um i'm not sure what the what the long-term ramifications of that would be on the environment but I, i'd be curious to see how it worked i like cloudy with a chance of meatballs kind of deal something yeah, like that i mean not to there are some people that think that that's what's happening they think that we just you know that there's some machine up in the sky that's making it so we're not getting any rain right now um, which is an interesting conspiracy. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a lot of speculation, a lot of theories. I mean, if, if somebody did want to create a weather machine that gives us more water, mm-hmm. again, as long as we can allocate the water properly and as long as we're not going to cause any like super weird, you know, weather <laughs> storms, then I think, you know, go for it. Yeah, if we could find out some kind of way. Yeah. Maybe you can come up with a way and just go on Shark Tank, you know. <laughs> we'll see i mean if i can if i can come up with a solution to the drought situation in california i think that i'll, I'll make a lot more money than shark tank can give me because <laughs> um, that's kind of the million dollar question right now yeah but, uh, that's true <laughs> yeah i mean i w- i just did a, a article for my job on on the snow survey we just got so we seems like we're getting a decent amount of snow which is good so we might might be in a bit of a better water situation this year you know knock on wood that would be cool yeah, yeah. um so I was going to ask, so mm-hmm. I, I can't remember now, do we see any of the actual farms in Rango or we just kind of hear about them? Yeah, we basically hear about them. You, you see, um, yeah, they basically talk about it. Like um, what's her name? Beans talks yeah. about her farm and it, it belonged to her father. I believe he passed away. Yeah. So now like she has to watch over it and um, she's going to lose the farm. They're going to lose their farms basically basically because there's no water so they're going to lose their crops um but i think you see like people ca- like coming in with wagons with like different crops and things like that if i'm not mistaken right i, I do remember seeing that yeah 
Because I was gonna say yeah. I don't I don't remember what kind of crops they grow in that area. Because I mean, do we know where it is in in the world? Like what you know, what geographic location it's at? That's a good question. I can check. Let me look it up. Okay. So say I don't remember ever hearing you know where where it's at in the world. So I was curious about like what kind of. Oh yes, they, they mentioned it. Did they? The Mojave Desert. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So they really don't grow. They really don't grow a whole lot over there. Then. That's um, in Nevada. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna make a comment about like uh, you know I wonder what they're you know how much water they really need for the kind of crops that they grow, but I'm not even sure what kind of crops they would grow over there. I saw. C- cac- cacti <laughs> yeah that 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 one makes sense that one doesn't need a whole lot of water so uh here's some crops that are grown in that desert let's see here let me, um let me make sure this is accurate yeah um so this could be inaccurate but here's an example a list of some that could be grown in that desert watermelons apples green onions cucumbers corn hot peppers Melons, bell peppers, radishes, carrots, cabbage, soybeans, pears, tomatoes, squash, and spinach. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I mean, those aren't the crops I was expecting over there, but I mean that some of those make sense. I mean, like corn can grow almost anywhere. So I mean it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty versatile crop for that kind of stuff. I mean, that's interesting. I mean, like some of those like like spinach and stuff like that, like I mean watermelon, like I I feel like there wouldn't be enough enough water over there for all of that maybe but huh um yeah this article says that that desert doesn't really have enough to sustain yeah typical crops so i don't know what that other article is talking about but i'm, I'm reading one right now that says yeah i i see one that says the mojave desert can't sustain any kind of farming but there's one that says antelope valley which is right next to it does have a lot of farming like onions carrots potatoes all that kind of stuff Okay. So it might be the valley that has the the crops in it. You think? Hmm. So in terms of Rango, I don't know that maybe maybe they do have, you know, like small farms like closer to the you valley side of That's where they got inspiration though, is that the surrounding towns are able to grow crops but the actual desert does not. Maybe. So that's like the the comparison between the town of dirt and the community being built outside of it. That could that could be I could see that being the case. So then you know with that you know there's argument of like is there really anything wrong with them not having water in that town if they can't if they can't do anything with it anyways? Are the are the real life farms outside of the desert taking water away from the desert? Is that possible? Not that I know of. I mean, as far as I can tell, the the desert doesn't have a ton of water in the first place, so there's really not much for them to mm-hmm. to take. Um. But yeah, I don't see anything here saying that they're that they're taking water from the desert. It seems like they all kind of have their own sufficient water supplies. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I read a uh, fun fact recently, by the way, because mm-hmm. I'm very, very green when it comes to farming. Um, that a lot of uh, like a, a fake fun fact or like a, a fact that people have seen around that's like not true or not something that you would want to uh, take advice or take take as advice Mm -hmm. um is like if you're in a desert and you're thirsty people say to drink water from the cactus but i I, i've i read that um it actually dehydrates you because it gives you diarrhea and things like that huh interesting i did not know that 
Yeah, I had read that. I forgot where I read it. It was an article somewhere, like um, facts, like it was like a list of facts that people give out that are actually like harmful, like you do not, you should not follow them. Wow. And that was one of them is like, don't drink water from cactus because um, it gives people diarrhea. I don't remember why, but it gives you diarrhea and basically so that the diarrhea, of course, dehydrates you. That's, <clears throat> huh. I mean, good to know. If I'm ever in the desert, I'm not going to drink from a cactus. <laughs> Wow. So I, I wonder why that, like, I wonder why cactus water of all things would, would give you diarrhea. That doesn't make much sense. Let's look it up. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, Google is, is a wonderful tool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, was there anything else in terms of, oh, there was one more thing on Rango that I, I had. I don't, I don't know if you had any other comments on Rango. Um, not that I can think of, but this article here says that the moist moisture inside of the cactus pulp is highly acidic and that's why it gives you diarrhea oh that makes sense i can see that it has um it also decreases um, blood sugar levels huh wow so yeah avoid cactus water at all costs apparently mm -hmm. good, good to know good to know i bet it's great for like cleansing and stuff that's true. <laughs> <laughs> not that I would ever want to do that, but you know, yeah, I'm not going to go to the desert to cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you could do it really quick, though. You sweat off all of that weight, and then you you drink some cactus juice. Yeah, and pass that's the rest true. <laughs> <laughs> then just die. <laughs> and then just there you go. I mean, hey, you won't you you you'll lose the weight you want to lose. Exactly. But, see, no, but yeah, I, yeah, we should. Yeah, <laughs> what not to do, and then just do it. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great, a great solution. But, um, but I do want to say, like, um, Rango did a good job of, of tackling modern day issues like droughts and things like that and farms that we're still going through. It's not a movie that takes place in the past, even though it's a Western, it's like a modern day Western. Yeah. Um, and it tackles a lot of issues that we, you know, people deal with um, and, and, and issues that maybe you don't realize on, on first viewing. Um, or things that you may not think about, like Rango trying to fit in to a, a different culture, different way of life. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, yeah, I just think that the performances are fantastic too. I mean, very convincing, very, you know, just grabs your attention and I'm really glad we covered it. Um, I like talking about movies that I like, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely a good one. I'm glad that you recommended it because I, I hadn't thought about Rango in One years. day you'll convince me to talk about Wally. Maybe <laughs> one day. Hey, I've, I've done my Wally episode. I'm okay, but I, I mean, I'm always happy to have you come on. I still want you to do How to Train Your Dragon. I know you're yeah. confusing, but one day we'll see <laughs> oh man That's, i don't know what it is i know that people love that movie i like the second one better in my opinion the second one's um, good i'll give you that i don't i don't even think i've seen the what is it is it the third one was the latest one yeah the third one i think i haven't even one. seen that one yet i haven't seen the third one yet either honestly <laughs> I heard it was pretty good too. Yeah. But yeah, the first one, I don't know. It was just wasn't like super memorable. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I should probably watch it again. Yes. Um I would do But that. yeah, maybe, maybe we can do that. I mean, hey, I am working on a new podcast. I'm gonna use my How to Train Your Dragon episode as a crossover between the two. So oh. I mean I could use some help. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll I'll force myself to watch it. All right. All right. I, I know it's terrible, but you made me do an episode on Rango, so 
No, I just I just don't remember it that much. It wasn't like super memorable to me. So usually that means I I didn't care for it, but maybe yeah. I was just too young. I don't know. You know, and to we'll be see. fair, that's how I was about Rango. I was kind of like, really, Rango? And I rewatched it. And I was like, yeah, this is a great movie. I just I, I ignored <laughs> it for too long. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, and I think kind of the best closing note on Rango that I could I could find is that you know it sometimes to fix a solution, you know, somebody from a different background from a different perspective is is the way to go. I mean. I think that's definitely the case for agriculture, having, you know, having advice from people who aren't in agriculture. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of farmers are typically hesitant to that because they're like, well, they don't farm. They don't know. And that's true. Right. They don't. But they can bring some ideas. that are like, hey, you didn't think about that one. That might help mm-hmm. you in the long run. Yep. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. So moral of the day, you know, never turn somebody away just because they're different from you. <laughs> but that being said, um, I think that kind of wraps up all my thoughts for the episode um at this time i'd like to invite you to uh remind everyone where they could find all your stuff if they're looking for it um, we still have our website up we still are on spotify and all the good stuff apple Podcasts, wherever you hear listen to your podcast we've not released an episode in a while i've been crazy busy with my new job and we're planning on moving soon in a few weeks um, and Logan's got um, a new job too that he got a few a while ago. So um, we do have an episode we recorded back in July that I still have not edited. So we have an episode on the back burner and uh, we haven't given up on the podcast just yet. Mm-hmm. We've just been taking a, a kind of a long break. Just yet. <laughs> <laughs> you say it like you're planning on getting up at some point. No, no, no. I'm just waiting for Logan to tap out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Whoever gives up first. Yeah, we just don't want to. We don't want to give up on our dreams. So yeah. we're still. It's still there. Yeah, no, that's okay. I mean, I'm I'm technically on hiatus right now. So I mean, once once my new season starts, I'll get back into the swing of things. But right now, I'm kind of taking my own breaks. So it's it's okay to take yeah. breaks. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not. It wasn't intentional. It just happened. Yeah, life got busy. So yeah, yeah, life has a way of doing that. But <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll, I'll link all your stuff down in the description. Yeah, everyone can go check out Absolutely Gobsmacked, and you're everywhere you find podcasts, correct? Yep, even YouTube. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, I will send everyone your way. Um, thanks again, Braden, for coming on. It's always a pleasure. We always have interesting conversations, you know, one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> um, whether it be about, you know, cactus juice giving you diarrhea or about the Martian giving you yeah. diarrhea or yeah. we talk a lot about poop on my podcast. <laughs> what, what the heck is up with that? <laughs> in our speech episode, right? No, <laughs> I don't. I mean, maybe I, I not that I remember. I hope not. Hope That's not. a little weird one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thanks again for coming on, Braden. It's always a lot of fun. Um, we'll yeah, catch up soon. Absolutely, we'll have you back on the show. Awesome. Yeah, that that'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, everyone go check him out. It's a lot of fun. You know, a, a good show to, to listen to. So I'll send everyone your way. And uh, thanks to all the listeners for tuning in for this. I think a great episode. We'll see what they think. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that kind of wraps things up for us. So thank you everyone so much for tuning in. And don't forget, if you wait today, thank a farmer. <laughs>